Welcome to the Whole Assistant Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Kroner. I'm an assistant who's passionate about our profession, and I'm also a certified coach who's invested in your success. You've come to the right place if you want to know what it looks like to stand in your power and achieve success as an assistant free from overwhelm and burnout. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, friends. So today, I have a treat for you all. Joining me today is Deborah Coleman. Deborah is the founder of um, of a podcast called Women in the Workplace: Conversations with Women in the Workplace. And Deborah, before we get going into our conversation for today, which I am super excited about, we're talking about collaboration over competition. Would you please introduce yourself to my audience? Restate the name of your podcast because I'm pretty sure I screwed it up. And also, just let everyone know like about you, a little something about you, about your work environment, about your work as an assistant. Absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, I am so excited to be here with you, Annie. I mean, you and I have collaborated, hint, hint, on so many projects, and this is just a continuation of that wonderful working relationship. So thank you again for having me on. I'm excited to support your podcast. Um, I am a fellow podcaster, female podcaster. Um, I think we need to make that distinction because there's not enough of us in that in that playpen. Um, but yes, yeah, so but I am an executive assistant. I have been an administrative support professional going on um, close to 20 years. I broke my teeth in the corporate America, but so quickly transitioned to higher education nonprofit where I spent the bulk of my career. Um, and then in 2020, uh, January of 2020, I sort of hit a plateau, kind of a work plateau. Um, didn't really, I was kind of bored, for lack of a better word, with my profession. I wanted to do more. And so my husband said, well, you love talking about, you know, what you do with your fellow colleagues. You love expanding on the whole EA space and what it means to be an EA. There's, I noticed a lot more chatter was happening out there on the interwebs about it. So he said, why don't you start a podcast so you can share your thoughts and interview other women, but not just EAs. I was curious about just women in general and how we were faring out there in the workplace because 2020 you know just kicked off this whole new you know basket of shenanigans for us women in the workplace and so it was really fascinating to learn more about women and what they're up to and so i created have a seat conversations with women in the workplace and that is exactly what it is conversations with women in various roles from stay-at-home moms military wives doctors lawyers corporate ceos to entrepreneurs solopreneurs of the whole gamut i run students master's degree you know those who are pursuing their masters or um all phases of, of lives i just thought you know let's kind of replicate a virtual living room where you kind of go in to annie's house on like a wind down wednesday and we're getting ready to play bunko and Sure enough, it's like, hey, what do you do? That's kind of the vibe of my of my podcast. So I've been going on that now for two and a half years, and it's been a blast, and I've truly enjoyed it. It's opened many doors. Awesome. So you guys, I listen to Deborah's podcast. I'm I'm a subscriber, and I have to say that I love it because there's so much solidarity. Like as a woman who's listening to other women talk about their experience in the workplace, I just experience so much solidarity, and I just feel like so much less alone in the world, especially the post-COVID world or not even the post-COVID. We're still kind of on the back end, hopefully, hopefully crossing my fingers over here of it. But um, yeah, so please, please have a listen to her podcast. It is glorious. 
um, and very informative and just makes me feel like I am not alone in this world. And Deborah drops some really amazing truth bombs also in her podcast <laughs> as well. So, so like tune in for those, if nothing else. And then she does these little short episodes, mini episodes from time to time. And those are brilliant where she just comes on and, um, I've just gotten so much value out of your podcast, Deborah. So, um, I'm loving it. Okay, guys. So we are talking today about, um, collaboration over competition. And so Deborah mentioned that we've collaborated on several projects before, and I feel like, especially as women, we often end up in competition with one another instead of collaboration with one another without maybe even realizing that that's what we're doing. And uh, the reason that Deborah and I decided to talk about this today is because we are a member, like we just, I wouldn't even say that we're a, a member, like we just came together with another group of amazing, with a group of amazing EAs and we formed this group of amazing supportive women. Um, so Deborah, will you just tell me about your experience with that, with that group? Cause I'm, I love it. Like, I feel like we met in person and, and had wine together and sat around a table and actually chatted face to face, but we actually have not met in person before no we haven't and that is you're right it's amazing to me how quickly we all just gelled together and um and respectfully though i mean we all don't we are all not a hive mentality right we all bring different experiences and different um ideas to the table but we do so when we celebrate the, um, the differences that we have and i think where some of us are weak some of us are stronger and that's just been a wonderful um compliment to how we all get along it has been amazing you're right we've never shared the same roof line um in the entire time we've collaborated and worked together this small uh, cadre of EAs and EA advocates. Um, and so it's it's really been very collaborative. And I have to say, in all honesty, I'm not like blowing smoke here. I really never appreciated what that word meant until I was, you know, indoctrinated into this wonderful little community of EA supporters because we really being in that close knit and but also working on projects together, on presentations together where you really each have to like there's alphas there's betas you have to give and take there's a lot of push and pull that to me really spoke to what it means to be collaborative and to work in that space and so it's just been a learning lesson every time i hop on the mic and do one of these types of um uh chats it, you learn so much and even right now this is being collaborative together so um definitely i'm so excited that this is a topic can't wait to dive into it yeah and one of the things i love about our group as well is that when a disagreement does arise, like we are so open about it and we just deal with it and we move on. We don't, we don't ruminate on it. We don't obsess over it. We don't do anything like that. We're just like, okay, this is done. Now we move on. Now we're still, we're still collaborating. We're still loving one another. We're still, we're still there for each other. We still show up uh, fully ourselves, which is one of the things I love the most about our group is that we don't do petty. <laughs> so true. I don't think, well, first of all, I don't think any of us have time for it. <laughs> totally. That you are a group of very high achieving women and yeah. you just don't exactly, you don't have time for it. Okay. That's different. That's different. Okay, great. Celebrate it. Move on next, you know, and it's exactly totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things I want to talk about today in that we've spoken about briefly before was that. Oftentimes as women, whenever we get a seat at the table, we end up being really guarded about having that seat at the table because it's been so hard won. 
And so we end up getting defensive whenever another woman wants a seat at the table or whenever there's a possibility that we could actually uplift and bring someone up and have them sit at the table next to us instead of actually being open to that, instead of having an abundant mindset and inviting people to the table or advocating for their arrival at the table, we tend to, or not we, but like I've noticed it's been a trend that as women, we tend to get really, really guarded and we tend to not want to bring people to the table. And I'm curious, like now that you're in academia, does this ever show up for you? Like in your role or in your environment? You know, it does and it has. I think sadly that's one of the negative side effects about our roles is there's, for some of us, I don't wanna make a blanket statement because I'm very careful to be more inclusive, but um, I think the ability, the desire or the knee-jerk reaction is to be competitive because we want to, we, we, you know, oh, we're taking care of our executive and we're just competitive in nature. Like, oh, he, this is, this person is who I'm supporting. I need to do all the things. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you in my space? Are you going to hinder me from doing that in any way? That for some of us, that might be our reaction, our knee-jerk, which is more competitive in nature. Whereas, if we are open to or try to maybe reframe our lens a bit to be more collaborative with that other individual, no matter their position, whatever they what whatever they do, um, I think you might get more, you know, um, get get farther or be more successful in getting to that end game than you would be being um, more competitive. And I think also, dare I say, it could also be threatening. Um, mm. I, and other EAs come quote to the table or join the discussion or are introduced as okay great Deborah's going my colleague Deborah's going to do this but I'm also going to introduce Annie she's going to it's like wait who's Annie what is she doing how come I how come this part? it's like our insecurities kick in like why is Annie being asked to collaborate with me on this do they not think I'm capable why well, thought you know I'm the EA I should be able to handle this why are they and all that starts to play into our self-talk as Annie so famously helps us try to calm and rationalize. Um, so I think maybe some of that comes into play when we talk about why it might be difficult for us to look at things from a collaborative space rather than a competitive lens. Yeah, I think especially the higher up you go as an EA, like if you're the EA to the CEO and you know, it's fascinating. I, I've coached several assistants and from time to time, I'll have an assistant tell me, about working with a colleague, they aren't the EA to the CEO, but they'll be working with a higher up colleague and who may be going on vacation or whatever. And they'll ask to have insight into the, into the executive's calendar, just to be able to help them, not even to be able to take over or do anything like that. And the EA is so reticent mm -hmm. of like, of giving up that that special place that she has where she is the only person who has visibility into that executive's calendar. But unfortunately it's fascinating because it ends up kind of stifling or, um, or what do I want to say? It's, it's, she's almost like creating a self-fulfilling prophecy because the thought there is, I can't let anybody else in. And then she's not letting anybody else in to help her when she actually needs the help. Right. So it's almost like she shoots herself in the foot in a way <laughs> because of that way of thinking and perceiving instead of, 
I want the best like support for my executive and I need a break as well. Meaning that I cannot be in my executive's calendar while I'm off and on vacation. So the only really reasonable solution is to bring someone else into the fold. You know, it's, it's fascinating to watch that dynamic, especially as assistants, especially because we are so protective of our executives calendars and we don't want anybody else messing with them. And we don't, because that like, that's, that's just one example of, of something that, you know, we own and then we don't ever let anybody in, but if we're actually able to collaborate, you get a better rest time, your executive gets the support and help he needs. You may learn a better way of managing a calendar that you'd never considered before because you're just so you're just so in your in your vein in your zone, like it really is fascinating to watch and to witness. And I also know, like even collaborating with some outside EAs, I had this experience recently. I was trying to book a, a breakfast, early morning breakfast, but the other EA was so guarded with her executive's calendar and her, her executive had already decided that he wanted to meet. And so at a certain point I reached out, didn't hear back, reached out, got other dates, reached out, didn't hear back till finally I wrote her and I said, is your executive interested in ha having this meeting? To which I got another defensive response. So I think it's, it's fascinating to watch what we do as assistants instead of having each other's back. So true, hundred percent. Absolutely. And the times when I fought against that, um, that type of thinking that it's all mine, I have to control everything and actually let someone in, let Annie in. Yes, here's my exec's calendar. Help me find a time that works. The task gets completed quicker. I actually do learn something in the process. And now you've just gained an ally. Mm. Um, absolutely. Yes. Uh, it, being in higher education, um, there are often times when we've had, we are called on to plan events, right? There's always something to celebrate. <laughs> Faculty member, student success story, something. Um, and so, yes, we are asked quite often to work with other administrative support professionals or other staff members to help get it done. And inevitably, when that comes, that ask comes around, you're asked, you're, you're like, you know, sometimes your knee jerk is, oh, no. Are their ideas going to mesh with mine? I like this kind of setup for my event. They're going to come in with all these ideas and you just like resist, you know, and then you bring that kind of resistant chip on your shoulder to the planning meeting. And I, I know I've done it. I, I raise my hand. I know I'm guilty of it. But when I fight back that and I open up to be a bit more collaborative and just sort of, okay, I'm coming in with an open mind, it goes so much smoother and you learn something. And sure, we're not all holding hands and singing rainbows and sunshines around a campfire but even in those sort of friction more friction moments you do learn something you learn maybe something about yourself how you communicate how you respond um it, it's it's it, you can if you can turn those moments around to be learning and learning opportunities anyway um but i but i think to circle back to your main point yes as eas i think it behooves us to try and fight back that control per um trait and just give up control a little bit and let others in you're still awesome that still that exec still belongs to you but maybe we can help uh get to the end result a little faster and a little bit more collaboratively if we allow others into our process our workflow yeah i love what you said about creating an ally for yourself mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, I feel like in the office, we are so siloed anyway. Like, why wouldn't we want to bridge that gap from time to time and create that connection with another, with another EA, most likely another woman, because we are a largely pink collared community. Um, so, so, you know, like, why wouldn't you want to bridge that gap? It's so fascinating because I feel like most, no, not even like, I feel like all of my best friends are now currently or were formerly in the administrative field or served an administrative function. And I worked with all of them now or previously. And so I find that also really fascinating. Uh, I think it really can be bonding this work because, because each role is so different and we are so siloed normally. So when you have that connection with someone, like, why wouldn't you want that? Right? Why wouldn't you? Exactly. Especially if they are external. Yeah. That matters as well. I have made so many external connections and opened myself up to working alongside, um, you know, uh, gosh, assist, special assistants to the presidents or fellow EAs. And so when I see their name come through my inbox, I'm, yeah, what's going on? How can I help? You know, more than uh, or ver- versus the opposite, which is, what do you want? No, I can't help you. No, I, you know, it's like, let's open up because the world is small. Um, and any times we can help make those connections and forge those bridges, it's just going to benefit us later on down the line when we need that emergency meeting or we need to reschedule um, or your, you know, your exec is coming into town and you need their help in getting him from A to B. I mean, it's just, it really matters. Matter of fact, that just happened recently. Um, someone at the state level was going to an executive at the state level was coming in to visit with my boss. Now I work from home, so I am not there. Um, so I had to, his EA and myself who was based in another state. So we both were not there. So our executives were meeting face to face with both of us working remotely. Right. So, but we had to collaborate to make, cause her boss missed the meeting time. Mm. And so we were like, oh no, what happened? Where is he? You know, did he, okay. We saw, we looked up his flight, it landed. Okay. We know he had car service. Maybe it was just a traffic issue. My boss was at the offices waiting. Everything was fine. I mean, everybody was fine. Nobody was panicking, but we, so we, her and I, even though she's two hours ahead, so it was after hours for her, but I, she sent me her, her cell phone number. So we were communicating this way. Okay. As soon as you hear from him, let me know. Okay. I will vice versa. Well, all of that wouldn't have happened had we have started off in a combative mode, like, you know, so, um, you know, you ne- you just never know when those opportunities to be more collaborative will come up or when you may start off that way, when you may need their help in an SOS situation like that. And you want that relationship to sort of already be there. Another thing I want to point out really quickly that when you said, you know, primarily women, um, it, uh, the benefits to having a seat, as, as we say at the table, um, and the benefits of pulling others up to have a seat next to us is to giving credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Um, if my exec, you know, compliments, oh, I'm so, thank you for getting this done so quickly. Well, it wouldn't have been possible without Annie's help. I just also want to give kudos and CC Annie and maybe CC her executive, give kudos, give shout outs where it's due. It doesn't dim your light. It only makes it brighter because now, oh my gosh, that's like the epitome of being collaborative, of recognizing when someone else also went the extra mile or needs to be recognized for the work they do. It doesn't make you any less. It just brings you both up. And again, you're building that relationship to further, you never know further down the line, they may return the favor someday. And there there you go, you have a beautiful working relationship, especially in this new hybrid workspace. I think that kind of collaborative spirit is so important. 
Yes, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, it's really fascinating because in our little group, our little group of, um, <clears throat> of advocates and trainers and whatnot, uh, I think that we have been very mindful about bringing others along with us for the journey. You know, like I, I coached a gal and then I brought her along for the journey, like to this event. And so like, to, because she wanted to become a coach herself, I'm like, okay, so if you want to do this, I'm going to like, let's get going. And I will make sure that I can support you any way that I can. And I think the reason I'm able to do that is because I realize that I'm not for everybody and, and that who she is for is is probably not for me and who I'm for may not be for her, right? So I think if we come at our roles with a heart of service, even in our EA roles or whatever, whatever it is we're doing, if we come with everyone's best interest at heart and an abundant, more abundant mindset, instead of like a stymied mindset, where it's like, no, no, there are only so many fish in the sea and I'm going to get mine and I'm not going to uplift her because I, because I need to get mine. And like, no, no, it only benefits everyone. Like you were saying, Deborah, it only benefits everyone when we're able to uplift another voice because, because I may not be able to reach someone that she can reach. And I want to make sure that all the EAs in the world have any resource that they ever need. <laughs> you know, whether it be Melissa with Microsoft training or whatever, whatever the case may be, like, I want to make sure that I'm a resource. If not, if it's not, if it's not me that you want, that I find you the resource that you want and having that open line of communication, having a more collaborative framework for that is a great way of going about that because you know, you can be a reference for someone else. Someone else can be a reference for you. You can have this kind of collaboration going on, you know, all of that. So I love this conversation so much because I feel like it's almost an unspoken rule that we're just going to be, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. And that's just coming from a complete place of lack. <laughs> it's not actually coming from owning your role and standing in your power It's coming from the opposite It's coming from this needy place. So if you're listening, I will offer that up to you. If there's some, if there's some like tinge that's going on, if there's something in your heart that's tingling right now, pay attention to that, get curious because it may be that you're operating from a place of lack instead of from a place of abundance. And if you want to operate from a place of lack, that's your call, but I'm just pointing it out. So um, yeah. So Deborah, I also want to talk about, you know, what it looks like to do business effectively while honoring like traditionally feminine attributes. So I say traditionally feminine because as humans, we all carry masculine and feminine in a unique combination in all of us. Um, so I would be very curious to know what it looks like for you to carry out your work day to day and be you as it relates to like the feminine, masculine, like qualities, I guess you could say. <laughs> right. I know that's so difficult, isn't it? It really... I find I'm of the team work from home that, and one of the reasons that I do appreciate this new work from home role is that I feel I can show up for myself a bit more authentically than I could when I was in brick and mortar face-to-face. -face. Mm. 
when I chat through Teams, yes, we all have that little face icon, you know, um, that kind of shows like our little profile picture. But I find that I can approach people more confidently and maybe speak more in my authentic tone than I would face to face. Hmm. And if I can just get a little, a little deep, a little deep there, again, I don't have initials after my name and I am not a certified coach by any means, but all I can share is my experiences. Um, as a woman who presents as a, as a black woman, as a woman of, you know, uh, biracial descent, um, sometimes it can be a little intimidating to come off as a bit stronger in the workforce or to come off a little bit stronger and that, be that strong voice in the office. Um, when you're the only one that looks like you do, it could be just mm -hmm. a little intimidating. However, in the work from home environment, I can type those words out and hit send, no problem. I feel like I like the little bit of the walls are taken down a bit. So as a woman, I feel that too. I can take on some of the, um, for lack of a better politically correct term, male attributes um, and be a little bit more forceful, be a little bit more um, overconfident in my responses, or maybe con I see there I go overconfident. Why is it that I'm a woman? I'm being overconfident. I'm <laughs> done. Um, but we all are victim of that. Like, I'm sorry. Look, can we maybe change that meeting time? Nope. Delete that. I'm sorry. Due to conflicting meeting times, we're going to need to reschedule this meeting. Can we? Here are some alternatives. Blank. You know, but so, but in the office, I might have started that conversation face to face with Annie. Annie, I'm sorry, but we're going to need to look again. Letting that, as you say, pink collar sort of dominate my 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 um, personality or my characteristic. Whereas I find that if I remove that barrier from me, in my experience, being behind a monitor, it allows me and free and frees me to be a bit more assertive, which truth be told, is more along and aligned with who Deborah truly is. So yeah. I think as women, we men don't question this. I doubt no. it's having this conversation right now on a podcast. This wouldn't even filter in. We'd be talking about like our golf scores and our latest <laughs> capitalist win. We wouldn't even be like an issue, but unfortunately it is. So that's why I'm celebrating that you're even bringing this up because this we need to not hide from this type of talk anymore. We need to expose it. And maybe by talking about it a bit more, it'll lend itself to being more normal. 100%. And that's just it. I feel like the whole, when, when women are assertive, we're bossy mm -hmm. dynamic and even more so for people of color. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's frustrating to say the least. And I feel like I'm naturally an assertive person. Like yeah. I'm very decisive by nature. It's just who I am. Who's who I've always been is very decisive. So even me, I've noticed throughout my career, tempering that a little bit. Mm. And, and then when, and then when I'm meeting with a vendor where I actually could use a little bit of SAS, could use a little bit of assertiveness, could use a little bit of that way of thinking, I don't tap into it because I've just trained myself to temper that Pete, that part of me to be more socially acceptable, more palatable to most people. And so it is fascinating to watch and to see and to notice, um, to notice those things in ourselves and to also just be who you are. I love that you're now in a work environment where you can just write the email the way that you want to, the way you want to write it and send it and just be done with it instead of having to put on an upfront in an office, you know? Um, and I will say that in my current work environment, I am very fortunate because I built a relationship with my executive and his wife and my team of people 
to where I think I am pretty accepted just for who I am. And that is a lovely thing. If you can have that, that's lovely. If you can't, that's okay. Um, I can coach you around that and not to change you, but just to come to a deeper acceptance of who you are already, uh, despite everyone else. Right. So, and to really value how you think about you rather than how someone else thinks about you to really make that the priority instead of, so that you can show up more authentically. And then if your role doesn't fit into that, then we can look at finding a new position for you that may be better fit. <laughs> Question for you. I'm going to turn the table just a little bit. It's the podcaster in me. Yeah. Um, do you think once your clients find and, and get in more in touch with their authentic self and find that brave part to really, you know, represent themselves more authentically, would you say, because you d definitely work, you have worked with executives for quite some time that that is more that could potentially be more appreciated by the the person they support well thank you for bringing out the real deborah because i didn't know i was not working with the real deborah now i know who i'm working with now maybe that might enhance their working relationship if they if if deborah finds her true self i definitely think that's the case most of the time sometimes sometimes so it's kind of like probably 60 40 so 60% of the time when people step into their power and step into their own voice and step into a more confident place what they get back is total acceptance and admiration I had one gal who didn't even know her executive didn't even know that she had hired me tell her one time like you're showing up so differently at the office what is going on and she's like it's my coach like it was just a knee-jerk reaction because we'd been working together for a little while at that point you know and so i do think i do think that often we we cap ourselves it's not even that our executive caps us it's we end up capping ourselves because we just assume they're going to respond a certain way if if we handle things a certain way um but more often than not that's not the case and sometimes the environment just isn't right a right fit for the person so they step into their more confident selves and they're like, oh no, this isn't what I want to do, or this isn't the type of role that I want. I'd much prefer this type of role, or this isn't even the field I want to be in. I have a couple gals who are creatives. And so they're finding their path. We've, 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 we've outlined their path to be able to spend more time doing creative things. And EA work is a great way to pay the bills and it's a great stepping stone, but it's not the end result for them. It's not where they're headed. So I love uncovering these things because so often we feel like we have to fit into a box mm -hmm. and we stifle ourselves and we cap ourselves. But when we actually can dig in and see what's going on, see where we're holding ourselves back, that's when the magic happens. And even if that means a change in roles, it's a lovely thing because people end up feeling more confident and more like themselves at the office, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. That yeah. is, I love when the two can marry together, oh. but I love that too, that they know that, that they recognize that, okay, this is great for now, but I, I would love to transition into something else or take these skills into what I'm truly passionate about. That's golden. I think so too. And I don't think it has to look any one way. I think there's a lot of chatter online right now about becoming a strategic business partner. And what does that look like? Or becoming a, um, a chief of staff. And what does that look like? And, and, you know, there's this drive to like perform, perform, perform. We got to outperform, outperform. Like not most people don't really want that. Mm -hmm. Most people want to live some sort of 
balanced life that includes their family and includes kids potentially, or includes, or maybe they're later on in their career and they just want to exit gracefully and they want to come up with a plan for the end of their career. Like, like not everybody wants to be a rock star and that is okay. Like, I don't know what this deal is online right now about pushing people into something that they don't want or, or making these options available that, and then people feeling obligated to ingest that in a way that's not helpful for them. So I think, I think you can make your career to be whatever it is you want it to be, whatever it is you genuinely want it to be, not what boxed up idea you have for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So if you've got an entrepreneurial dream as well, you can start pursuing that. If you've got, you know, other, like, if you, like, I love tango. If you want to go pursue tango for two months in Argentina, like all the more power to you, let's figure out your path to get there. So I think, I think, I think oftentimes we cap ourselves based on a belief, based on, based on an insecurity. And it's just not helpful. Not at all. Bravo. Absolutely, Annie. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Even when it comes to this conversation we're having today of collaboration versus competition, like if there's somebody out there that you would really like to collaborate with on a project, like I think so, I think as EAs, we have this fear of failure and it can be stifling to the point where we don't take any action because we're just so afraid of failing, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think it can also be helpful to like, ask yourself, is there some way that you're holding yourself back? Do you have a passion that you're not delving into? And if you, if you do, and you feel stuck, you know, reach out to myself or Deborah or some, one of the other amazing people that we collaborate with. I'd be happy to send you a list if you want to email me, but yeah, yeah, there are just, there's a lot of resources out there to make it happen for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do not pigeonhole yourself. And I think some, dare I say, I know this is going to be very popular, but you know me, I like being a disruptor. I think sometimes <laughs> when um, support staff find themselves in like one of those sand pits on a, on a golf, course, golf course, you know, you're like, I'm stuck either way. There's sand all around me. I can't, some of that might be, um, like you might have done that you to yourself because as miss annie so famously likes to point out the boundaries that you did not set um and some sometimes i think it's a bit of a humble brag when when eas post you know out there on the interwebs oh i was pinged at 3 a.m and i had to get up and start a project and, da, da, da. and there's no on like that is not impressive to me i don't think wow she's a rock star because she was doing things at 3 a.m for her but what that is dangerous and I know because I used to think that early in my career, I was reading posts like this and or engaging in like and listening to, you know, uh, videos or blog posts or whatever back in the day when blogging, you know, was a thing. Oh, my gosh, what's wrong with me? I'm not up at three. Should I be? Should I be up at two at 10 a.m.? Should I be? No. Like Annie so beautifully said, that's not I mean, some jobs. Yes, that does require that after hours, quote unquote, you know, what is that anymore? Really after hours, everybody works different hours, but you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that outside nine to five thinking. And that's fantastic. If that's your role, I applaud you. That's fantastic. Good for you. But some of us don't operate that way. And it's okay. It's okay to be that way. And I think just messaging that out, Annie, is being collaborative. You're letting others know, hey, you're, it looks different. Being an, an administrative support professional looks different for everybody. So let's try to practice a little empathy for those that are more of the 9 to 5 nature, which I am. Do not be pinging me at 6 p.m. because I will not answer you. Um, uh, you know, and of course, my boss, of course, I would answer him. But I'm not just going to, you know, I don't have FOMO. 
I do not. I do not um, when it comes to work-related stuff, but it's okay. It's okay um, to be a little empathy, empathetic to those who may not think the way you do in terms of attacking your role. Um, and we make, we could all learn a little different. We did a little different little things from everybody, I think, so. I think you're absolutely right. And I think what one of the things I love the most about our roles is that they are so varied. Yeah. Right? Like okay. a lot of roles don't even require you to be on call after hours. Right. Like that's not even, that's not even up for discussion because they, people would never ping you after hours. Right. Others, oh, they do require that. And that's okay too. I think it's all about your values, totally. right? Like, which is why it's essential that your boundaries be based on your values. So funny this month in my membership, we're talking about boundaries, which is why I wanted to have this collaboration of our competition thing, because oftentimes we think of boundaries as something outside of ourselves. Yeah when it's not like boundaries is about how you decide to show up in any given moment and situation. So how you decide to show up with others is about you, not about them. So, um, so I love that we're talking about collaboration over competition today during the month of August, because yes, um, boundaries are different for everyone. And, and we, and we've got to stop judging ourselves. We've got to stop judging other people based on their boundaries or based right. on your boundaries. Like you can't, you can't use your boundaries as a litmus test for anybody else. That's right. Because it doesn't apply. That's right. That's so, you know, like if you want to be up at 3 a.m., all the more power to you. But like, there are a lot of us who don't, and that's okay if you do, because that's you and your values and your boundaries. But for, for a lot of us, we don't, and that's okay too. That's mm -hmm. just fine. Okay. Um. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think often we can pigeonhole ourselves in so many different ways. So many different ways, which is why it really, um, it can really be such a wonderful experience if you stop and do listen. If you do encounter another EA who does think a little differently than you, stop and ask them why, or get to know them a little bit. Like I noticed in the, send them a private DM or something. Yeah, I noticed in the comments you, um, you know, you bragged about knowing your executive salad dressing type. I don't know mine his salad dressing type, but how did you come to that? What kind of relationship do you have? What, you know, instead of saying, why would you, you know, pulling out the mean girl card and the sassy, you know, maybe just inquire, like, how did you get to that level of, of working relationship that really sounds special? Like, can you offer some tips or did it take a long time? Or, you know, look at it maybe from a learning opportunity to get to know each other. Or Deborah, I noticed you said you don't ping, you don't answer anything after five. How is that? How, how did you establish that? Or how do you, is that still effective? Like ask, you know, I mean, that's, I think why I turned to podcasting because I love to ask those types of questions and just, you can learn so much by asking instead of just jumping to assumptions as you said before Annie. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever, I had a good question. It just fell out of my brain as they tend to do, don't they? That's just how it goes. Like you're in the middle of a conversation with someone and you had a really good question that came up and then it, you lose it. That's okay. Um, maybe I was going to talk about, Oh, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be for this podcast. Maybe we'll do another episode one day and it will come to me and we'll just hop online and do another episode one day about what I was going to bring up. Oh, I know what it was. Mentorship. Okay. So I think I, I, I see nothing wrong with looking. So when I was just first starting out, I just graduated college. I'd worked in our theater office at college um, and doing administrative low level tasks for work study, you know, and then out of college, I ended up working for a consulting firm and I met 
my boss then, her name is Marianne. We still stay in contact. In fact, we spoke a couple of weeks ago. Um, I love her so much, but she has been my mentor throughout my career because when I was working there as a receptionist, I saw her and the relationship she had with her executive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, that's what I want right there. And I had no idea that anybody actually functioned like that for someone else, right? And so then I made choices to help me get there. And I think sometimes we can, there's a healthy way of looking at someone else and comparing where we're at to them. And then there's an unhealthy way, like a fear of missing out, like a FOMO type way that's based in lack. Mm -hmm. And then there's a way of looking at someone else that's based in abundance. And I love what you were just saying about, you know, having a conversation with someone, asking them how they got to where they are, that sort of thing, because that can open up doors and avenues for you. Um, as opposed to like spinning out on all that you don't have, which can close doors and, and keep you stuck. Right. So I just, this is a great way to collaborate too. Instead of compete with someone, we can actually like ask them, we can be humble. We can go to them. We can be like, Hey, can you help me? Cause I really like to have what you have with your executive with an executive, or I, I, I love planning events. So could you please guide me on how you got to plan more events for your company? And how did you get to the point where you're a full-time event planner or whatever it is that you want to pursue, whatever it is that interests you. And it's a great way to collaborate is by asking, not asking for mentorship, but just engaging with them on that level of being a mentee, being open and willing to learn from people. And I tell you that has served me so much through my life. Same, same. And I love that you mentioned uh, you tied that all together with being humble. As EAs, I think we are the go-to. We they, Everybody comes to us. We are the answer people, right? Co- oh, Annie will know. Annie will know. Annie will know. So I think when we hear advice like we're talking about and sharing about, um, be curious, ask for help. Um, that may be like... It, it's like almost like sandpaper, like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be the one that people come to. How am I, how's it look if I go to somebody? Um, And as I mentioned earlier, I am not, and like I've been asked to plan lots of events and I am not like events are low on skill set list as an EA. I would openly admit that. So I walk into planning meetings like, hey, everybody, I'm just, I own it. I am not an event planner. So I am here to learn and I am the worker bee. So I am not the creative, you know, I'm not the creative in the creative carry in the room. So absolutely tell me what balloons to blow up, tell me what errands to run. I'm that so I establish that by owning that that is a weakness of mine, but it's I turn it into a strength by owning it and then showing others in a roundabout sort of subtle way, I'm open to hearing to learning from you. Um, I recognize this is not a strength of mine, so therefore teach me. And it sort of just uh, takes the air out of the tires in a good way, kind of takes the pressure off. Like, I don't have to put up this fake front, like, oh, yeah, 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 I know how to, like, plan for a ballroom event. No, I don't. And I don't want to learn. But I'm, I'm willing. I don't want to be in charge, I should say. But I'm willing to learn and help those who do want to. Um, sometimes the alphas in us have to take a step back and be a beta. Believe me, though, as uncomfortable as it is, sometimes that's where real growth happens. And there, and then it can translate into collaboration. Because another thing I wanted to touch on that you said was really poignant is that you don't know who's watching. As you just mm-hmm. admitted, watching that individual interact with her 
executives. You don't know who's watching and that's all a part of our branding. If you are somebody who is known to be supportive and collaborative and raise others up when you can, when it's feasible, when it makes sense to do so, you may then, that's a part of your brand. Now Annie is known as somebody who's collaborative. So here comes those 360 annual review reviews and you know, who don't, you don't know what circles your executive's talking in. You don't know other yays he's chatting with. Would you rather have him here? Annie is so supportive. She has helped me out so many times when I've dinged her, pinged her, DM'd her, she's there for me. Or, oh, I don't know, I don't interact with her much. She never answers my emails. When I DM her, she hardly ever responds back. I'm sorry. I wish I could be more helpful, but I just don't interact with Annie enough. Oh my goodness, which scenario would you rather have? That's a, a total hypothetical, total 30,000 foot level, but I think you understand what I'm saying. It all ties into being collaborative has such a ripple effect. You just don't know. It has no end to the goodness and the kindness that it actually can help foster. Yes. And one other like tag off of that actually is collaborating with other people as well. Like the parking garage guy, like the doorman, like you should know all those people by name. Why? Because, because they can be your greatest ally and some great friendships can develop as a result. Like we need to know these people and have great relationships with them. Because if we know them and have great relationships with them, if you have their back at one point, then they're going to have your back at one point too. And I'm not saying to like, like have fake friends, but what I am saying is to genuinely develop an interest in relationship in everybody's, in everybody that you come in contact with. We cannot, that's part of that humility piece. We cannot be better than anybody. No, preach. That is so Lovely to hear you say that. I couldn't agree more. We've all been there. Those of you listening cannot tell me, and I challenge you to write to Annie if you think I'm wrong, but when we've all been there in that conference room, we've got the PowerPoint up on the screen and something happens technical wise, and we've got to do that SOS call to IT, or you're setting up for that event and you ran out of large trash cans, or you forgot to order large trash cans, you need to call on facilities to help you out, or you're locked out of the conference room and your meeting is starting in 10 minutes and you've got to get in there, you've got to call on somebody to help you out, or the, you have delivery and you're rude to that receptionist every morning, you never say good morning to her, but you have a special delivery, you need to know when it's coming in, Who is she going to be that inclined to help you? You just never know these what, what uh, it's not a very kind term but the auxiliary people in your work orbit you know maybe they're not ones that you deal with every day but when you do deal with them or engage with them you need them and so it's so important to forge those relationships i think i'm also a little sensitive to it because i have been that receptionist before and yeah the, you know, too. that auxiliary role mm-hmm. um, or called upon and you know that old joke like oh here's your request going at the end of the pile you know you don't want to to not sign for your FedEx package you know I mean it all matters we are not you know we know how it feels as as EAs when we're slighted by presidents or CEOs or C-suite when they walk by us with their nose in the air and they don't say anything so let's know let's try to remember that how that feels when engaging with these other individuals good point Annie I'm so I celebrate that you brought that up because that's not talked about enough Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, those people have saved my bacon more than once. And because I've had a genuine friendship with them, like, like the doorman at my old office, his name was Steve. He's awesome. And he answered, like, I I called, I I forgot my key card one night Mm -hmm. 
and I called the button and I got Steve and like, he said, Oh yeah, go ahead. You know, cause he knows me because I have a relationship with him. If I didn't have a relationship with him, I would have had to prove what suite I was in, in the office. I'd have to, da, 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 and I, you know, like all the things when in this case, it was just so simple. The solution was just so simple because he knew me. So I think, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. And I think, I think we, I think we close ourselves off to those around us who, who, not only, not only for ourselves can help us, but can enrich our lives through relationship. Right. Like knowing people and connecting with people is kind of the magic of the EA role. In fact, I would, I would call the EA and administrative team, the keepers of the company culture, yeah. because we are the bridge between our executives and everybody else. Right. So where everybody else needs to put on a happy face and, and, a, and an affront for our executives, mm -hmm. they don't do that with us. So we get the real picture of the company and then we can relay that to our executives in a way that they can hear because we're there, we're there in help and service of them, right? So this is what I mean by like, they, we, we hold an amazing seat at the table already. So we do need to bring others up with us. We do need to be more collaborative and bring other people on board with us so that they can hold the seat at the table too, so that they can feel not so that they can, so that we can break that stigma of worthiness or whatever. Like we just need to humble ourselves and bite the bullet. <laughs> yes, so true. I mean, we've all heard that phrase, it takes a village, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. To a child or to fill in the blank. As much as we want to say we've got it all together as EAs, we don't need any help, it takes a village to do our job. We need accounting, we need HR, we need facilities, we need IT, we need all of that to help do our jobs. Like it or not, we do. And so it takes a village. So cultivate that village. Yeah. <laughs> genuinely, as, as yeah. Yeah. But genuinely, right? Yeah. So, and in those ways, you build your brand and you also build company culture. Yes. Both are massive to your career, both are essential for your success in your roles. Right. Anyway, thank you, Deborah, so much. Will you please tell people where to find you online, where to find your website, how to connect with you, that sort of thing before we go? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, again, my podcast is Have a Seat, Conversations with Women in the Workplace, and you can find it wherever you listened um, to your podcast, be it Spotify, Google Play, Apple, iTunes, it's out there. But you can also just as easily hop on over to my website, which is haveaseatconversations.com, where all of my episodes are, are um, categorized and posted there, as well as ways to contact me and to register to be a guest yourself. So if anything that Annie and I talked about today resonated with you or do you want to expand on, feel free to um, get in touch with me and we can continue the conversation. Thank you I so much. On LinkedIn. <laughs> What's that? I can also be found on LinkedIn. Sorry, I should have mentioned. Yes. That. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Deborah. I really, really appreciate you coming on today and speaking with my audience. And um, I just so value our friendship and I value you as a human as well. Be intentional, be whole. That is all for now. Talk to you later, guys. If you're an assistant or administrative professional, I'd like to invite you to join me inside the whole assistant membership. In this membership, we'll be unpacking and implementing the concepts I discuss on this podcast with monthly lessons and weekly group coaching. If you want to create sustainable strategies that will help you level up while remaining free from overwhelm and burnout and learn what it looks like to own your role, use your voice and stand in your power, this membership is for you. Go to wholeassistant.com slash membership to learn more and get started.